You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for uh, just th- today. We um, thank you for traveling mercies, dealing with the Mercedes Marathon, uh, help continue to uh, de-stress us, as I know a lot of us were flying in on two wheels trying to find parking spots. Um, but Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to be here in your house today. We ask that um, your words would go forth today as we teach and walk through what it means to belong to you and what, it, what does it mean to, uh, to belong to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, so this is the latest in our series, Three Questions That Every Child Asks. Now this is based on a book um, that I cannot remember the author. But it's called Three Questions That Every Child Asks. Um, But these questions um, are identity, who am I, uh, belonging, where do I fit in, and then purpose, what am I doing here? Um, So identity, it's huge, who am I? Um, And identity, y'all, that's something that it's obviously, that's a very, very hot button thing right now. Um, Something I'll just say real quick. Uh, used to, in order to, to find our identity, uh, we would look up, and then we would look around and see, we would look up, what does God say that I am? We would look around, and we would say, uh, what are other people, what are they telling me, who am I? And then we would look at ourselves and say, okay, how do I take that information and say, okay, what, who is my identity, who am I? But now, the, the first thing is, well, we look at myself, how do I identif- identify myself? Uh, which I think is problematic because uh, we're sinners, and, and we come to all sorts of false conclusions. Uh, but that's identity. Um, Belonging, where do I fit in? Uh, whose kids ask that question all the time? Where do I fit in? Yeah, that, that's a huge thing, y'all. I mean, who, who ourselves asks that question? Where do I fit in? Um, that can be hard. And then what am I doing here? What's my purpose? Who's figured that out yet? What's my purpose? Well, lucky for me, we're, we're talking about belonging today. Um, for those of you, I should have said this earlier, I have not met. My name is Will Fagan. I'm the boys' youth director uh, here at the Advent um, and then I also do some college ministry. So I say, I say that because uh, right now in my care, I'm running confirmation as well with uh, my counterpart, Marianne, who's the girls' youth director. Right now under my care, I've got uh, young boys and men from the ages of 11 to 24. Um, and I say that because, y'all, they are, they are all asking this question. Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? They're asking the question, who am I? They're asking the question, what am I doing here? What's my purpose? And... That's not just something that we get over when we turn 25. Uh, at least it didn't happen for me. Uh, we don't just get over that. So, so these are good things uh, for us to learn. Identity, belonging, purpose. Uh, but it's also uh, it's something for us to teach our kids because they're going to ask this question over and over and over. And when they do ask this question, especially when it comes to belonging, which is what we're talking about today, um, what I want us to work through today is to equip you all uh, with some scripture, with some truths, um, in terms of how do they belong uh, to God. So we're, we're talking about that. how do they belong to God. Uh, and I say that because in terms of belonging, we see this over and over, or I've seen this over and over, belonging usually uh, goes with performance. So if I perform well in this specific arena, then I belong in this specific arena. Um, we see this uh, with, I see this with junior high boys. I didn't make the golf team, so maybe I don't belong with this set of boys that did make the golf team. 
uh, or no one is texting me to hang out this weekend. So maybe I, maybe I was being too weird at school and I wasn't cool enough, and maybe the kids think I'm weird, I'm not cool, and so they're not going to invite me to this sleepover or whatever. Happy. I know that's never happened to your kids. Um, these are just a couple of examples, but in a few years it's going to be, and I, I'm sure some of y'all can identify with this, I didn't get into the college that I wanted to. So maybe I don't belong with this set of people that I thought that I belonged to. Um, or the sorority that I thought was going to be a slam dunk didn't ask me back after the second day of rush. Like, that's hard. Uh, but that's something, maybe I don't belong in this sorority. And then a couple of years after that, our kids are going to go through, uh, I didn't score high enough in the MCAT or the LSAT. So maybe I don't belong uh, in this professional field. Or I have my first job and I absolutely hate it. Um, again, I'm sure it's never happened to you all. Um, but my friends all like their jobs and their career. They find a lot of fulfillment. What am I doing wrong? Do I not belong in the real world? Am I doing something wrong? As you might see, there's, there's, there's a lot of overlap here between identity, purpose, and a belonging. But I believe that if we get this belonging aspect right, particularly in belonging to God, uh, then this will help shape our identity and our purpose. Uh, we want our kids to know, we here at the Advent, I know you all as parents, me as parent. We want our kids to know, first and foremost, they belong to God. Um, I'm going to, when we, our daughter's eight months old, she doesn't know anything we say now besides Isabel. That's her name. She turns and looks when we say Isabel, and then anything else, I don't think it's really getting through to her. Um, but when we can communicate to her, when we can say, no, eat your dinner, or whatever it might be when we say to her, when we can communicate to her, I want to say over and over and over to her and have her repeat back with me, I belong to God. I belong to God. Because that is a very fundamental thing that never changes. Belonging to human beings, belonging to certain groups of people, belonging to certain circles, those things are fickle. Uh, they can change at the snap of a finger. Uh, whether you do something stupid according to this group of people or you didn't make the cut here or whatever it might be, belonging can change. But belonging to God, belonging to a constant who is God, who is almighty, who is the creator, who is sustainer, who is uh, bigger than anything we can imagine, belonging to God never changes. Um, so speaking of Isabel, last year when we were, when we were having her, and actually I have a friend who asked me to be a godfather to his, to his kid, and I thought, okay, what's something I can get them? And I found a little catechism. So a catechism, who, who's unfamiliar with the word catechism? It's okay if you are. So catechism is, um, I'm going to catechize, I'm going to teach uh, a certain set of principles using through certain questions and answers. Uh, we see this, um, especially in the Presbyterian world, it's big in the Presbyterian world, but it's, it's big in, in a, there's a catechism of the Catholic Church that's this big. Um, and so I found this little, little catechism when we were having Isabel, and it's a great little catechism called, uh, you guessed it, I Belong to God. And in this catechism, um, I really loved, um, and actually this is on uh, letter B, on here. In this catechism, it's written by a guy named Rich Lusk, who is he's actually a pastor here in town at a, at a small Presbyterian church. Uh, but I like this a lot. And just reading this catechism, the first, these, uh, these are actually not one through four, it's one through five, but I skipped four because it's a little bit confusing. Um, but I want to read that, and that's going to help us kind of get to where we're going today. So question number one, who are you? These are great questions to ask your kids, by the way. Who are you? I'm a child of God. Question number two, what does it mean to be a child of God? 
It means that I belong to him and that he loves me. Question number three, what makes you a child of God? Being good for him. I'm just kidding. That's not it. That's what we, that, that's what we don't want. To, that, that's what we, we want to discourage that. Uh, number three, what makes you a child of God? Grace. Grace makes me a child of God. Grace is a free gift of love that I do not deserve and I cannot earn. And then five, don't you have to be good for God to love you? No. Say it again. Don't you have to be good for God to love you? No. God loves me in spite of all that I do wrong because of what Jesus has done for me. Now, again, I think there's nothing more important that you can teach to, their, to your kids than I, th- I would say these four things in terms of like, teaching them, in terms of belonging. These are really good things uh, to teach them because when they're in doubt of their identity and when they're in doubt of their purpose, when they're in doubt of do I fit in here, uh, they can remind themselves of this. I belong to God. That is a fact, and that is a fact that never changes. Um, and you're welcome to follow along with these scriptures in your handout. I thought it would be helpful to walk through belonging to God in terms of the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, now, if the Trinity makes your head spin a little, it does me too. Um, you're not alone. Uh, and I don't want to do this because I want to nail down the doctrine of the Trinity today. Um, but I do think that in looking at the individual persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we can look at just how we can relate to God in terms of belonging to him. Um, we're going to pull from several, several resources here, but mainly we're just going to walk through God's word and God's scripture. Um, none of you guys need to hear from Will Fagan about how much your kids to belong to God. Um, but we do need to hear from God uh, in terms of how much we belong to God and your kids belong to God. Um, and so in light of that, uh, we'll start with uh, God the Father. Uh, now, real quick, this one helpful comment on the, on the Trinity. When we're, when we're working through the Trinity, it's not like God the Father is varsity God, God the Son is JV God, God the Holy Spirit's honorable mention ninth grade team. Um, that's not what we're talking about with the Trinity. The Trinity is all, um, they are all individual expressions, individual persons of God. And while they all have different things, and while the Father, the Son would seem to be subordinate to the Father, that, that's not actually true. They all actually have one united purpose, but they do, um, they do act different ways. And so, but in light of that, we do, we do relate to God the Father differently than God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so that's just a disclaimer as we start here. Okay, so starting here, uh, this is point C for you all. Uh, I belong to God. I belong to God the Father. Um, this is Isaiah 64, 8. Y'all, I could, have, I could have pulled from a million, a million different verses here, but I do like this. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father, and we are the clay. You are the potter. You are our potter, and we are all the work of your hands. So God the Father. Now, God the Father, we would say, is God our Father in heaven. Um, who's, how, I, don't, I haven't taught Isabel yet she, in terms of like God the Father in heaven. She's eight months old. Who, how, who has taught their kids, like, you have a father here, an earthly father, and you have a father in heaven? Is that how you all work through that a little bit with your kids? That, that's how it was worked with my, my parents, who are sitting right here on the second row. Um, um, <laughs> That's how our parent, my parents worked through. I have a twin brother and a little sister. That's how they, they worked through it with me. Uh, you have a father here, but you also have a father in heaven. Um, what does it mean to have a father in heaven? Now, I don't, I don't love the phrase. I, I feel a little bit sheepish even saying it. Daddy God. Um, I don't love that phrase, Daddy God. We do see, though, uh, I, I, th- I don't love that because I think it can diminish some aspects of, like, sanctity of, of God the Father. 
but we do see in Scripture, we do see Jesus call his father Abba. Um, now, Abba, some people have translated that as, as daddy. Um, but I do think what I do think that does convey is seeing our, our God, the father, as a daddy. Uh, what that does convey is a very close, very intimate, very trustworthy nature of God as a father. Uh, I'm curious to see here, who here with your kids, who's, gra- who's graduated from daddy to dad? Who's dad now and not daddy? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Or who, who's mom now and not mama or mommy? Um, that, that, that small little child uh, aspect of calling dad, daddy, that, 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 that communicates so much. That means I'm trusted. That means I'm loved. That means I'm cared for. That means that I'm completely yours, and I'm your beloved, and you are mine. Like, you are my daddy. And we see that there's a two-way relationship there. A two-way relationship, well, if, if, if you're my daddy, that means that I am your child. That means I'm wholly, complete, completely belong to you. I'm yours. There's no argument about that. There's, there's no a change in my mind about that. Uh, you get one. Like, you are my dad. You are my daddy. And we see that with Jesus. Now, I'm not suggest- suggesting we start calling God our father daddy. I'm not suggesting that. But what I am saying is that it's a really good way to relate to him in, in this certain way, is him being a father. He's not some kind of distant father uh, who has nothing to say about our lives besides, you know, I, I pay for your groceries and the power bill, and you should be grateful to be here, uh, son <laughs> or daughter. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a very intimate, very close, very loving relationship. Um, and if God is my dad or God is my daddy, uh, if God is my Abba Father, is what Jesus would say, if he's very close, that means that I belong to him. That means that I belong to him. That means that I'm his and that he is mine and that, to use the phrase here, that means that I belong to God. I belong to God here. Uh, now I love that. I completely love love that. And, and telling your kids, you have you have a you have your dad, then you have a heavenly father as well, and he's close and he loves you. Um, so that's God the Father. The sec- second verse that I have here, we know and we see that God is a creator, and He's not just the creator of the world, but He's the creator of the world and everything in it and everything that will be in it for forever. Um, that's who God is. But guess what? The good news of that is that means that God is my creator. That means that God is your creator. That means that God is your Kids creator. Now, I've said this before. Uh, I've used this before, Psalm 139, I think in this class. But y'all, I just love Psalm 139. If you ever want to know how much God loves you, how much God sees you, how much you belong to God, uh, Psalm 139, y'all, there's, there's hardly any better than here. But I'm going to read verses four, uh, 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written for them, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. I was recently uh, talking with a mother uh, whose daughter has developmental needs, and she's a teenager, uh, this daughter, um, and you wouldn't you wouldn't quite know it, like just by spending any time with her, uh, spending much time with her. Uh, but you, you, you might, as you spent more time with her. Um, I say that because this child, she, she can get discouraged at her uh, learning disability, 
And when she gets discouraged, I love this, her mom will say, Sweetheart, how do you know that God loves you? Because he made you. And why did God make you? Because he loves you. Um, God loves you because he made you. God makes you because he loves you. And in Psalm 139, we see that God doesn't just snap his, his fingers to create you. And you're not just like, it's not like you're like on the, the Kia plant. And God's like, okay, Will's arms are here. Caroline's arms are here. We got the legs over here on Bay 37. Um, that's not how, when, when God makes you, that's not how he makes you. Uh, we see here in Psalm 139 that he knits you. Now, I've not knitted a single thing a day of my life. But I do know knitting is a slow, intricate, deliberate process. And when we say we see that God knits us in our mother's womb, uh, he does it very purposefully. Psalm 139 says that we are made fearfully and wonderfully. And we are not hidden from God when God makes us. That means that God, when he, when he makes us, he has both eyes on us. And he's saying, this, exact, this is exactly the creation that I want. Um, Ellis is exactly the boy that I want. Frank's exactly the boy that I want. Um, other Frank's exactly the boy that I want. Um, Betsy or Mary Frances, this is exactly the kid that I want. Exactly for who they are. That's what he does when, he's making, when he says, my frame was not hidden from you in secret. That's what he's talking about. Um, we, are, we are made very intentionally. If we're made very intentionally, if we're made very slowly by our creator, that means that, that we are his. Fully and holy. That means that we are his. Holy with a W, uh, but also holy with an H. Um, we, are, we, are, we are very much his. So I belong to God because he made me. I fully belong to God because he made me. And if he made me, then he loves me. And if he took the time to make me, in the time that the Bible suggests, that means that he made me very well. Uh, he knows everything about me, and he delights in his creation. Now, that's, that's God the Father. There's two, two aspects of God the Father. Um, he's our Abba Father, and then he's our creator. Now, there's, a, there's a, a million other ways I could have gone there, but those are the two ways I decided to go to. Um, and see how much we belong to him in terms of relating to God the Father. Um, I'm going to move on to God the Son in a second. Do we have any questions regarding God the Father? I did a great job. Covered it really well. Um, Okay, God the Son. Uh, Now again, if the Father's will is the Son's will is the Holy Spirit's will, um, they're all working together here. They're all united in purpose in... Uh, creating in, in the Son here, sustaining, saving, redeeming. Um, so we belong to God, not just because he's our Father, but, and he's the God who created us, but God, the Son, is also the God who comes to us. Um, I, I have here John 1, 14a, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, credit to Ben DeHart here because... Um, I've been thinking about this since he preached this in Advent. We read this verse a lot in Advent, uh, in the Advent season. Um, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, Jesus Christ did not come down from heaven to earth because he wanted a vacation from heaven. Uh, Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth um, not so we could just celebrate Christmas. He came down from heaven to earth as an invasion. Uh, that's a word that Ben said, and I like that a lot because it really conveys why Jesus came here. He came to earth as an invasion. Um, He came to set captives free 
and to set free who are those oppressed, who who free who those are oppressed. Um, who here is captive to sin in this room? All of us. Um, who here is oppressed by bondage in big ways and small ways? Yeah, we all are. Whose kids are sinners in this room? Yeah. <laughs> Two hands up. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and your kids are held by, held by bondage in big ways and small ways. And so when we see Jesus, in short, he invades this earth. He invades our existence. He comes to us to claim what is his. He comes to us to claim what is his. Um, this earth, Jesus seemingly, seemingly tells us, is, this is where I have come to, and chosen to live. We see that word dwell in verse 14. I, I really like that word. Uh, it conveys, uh, the actual translation is, Jesus came to pitch his tent to live among us. Um, he came to tabernacle with us, if we're going to look at the Old Testament language. He came to live among us. Um, now, he did that, uh, and, and, and in that, I should say, uh, we see it as wholly in God's character to come to us. It's very much in his character to come to us. We see that in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, uh, God didn't say, all right, get lost. Uh, God came to them. And he said, I know you've sinned, and these are the consequences for it. But before that, I'm going to cover you with animal skins. He's, he's caring for them when he does that. He comes to them when he does that. We see that in the Exodus story, which I love a lot. Uh, God, God comes to earth to save his people from the oppression of the Egyptians, from sin and bondage and slavery uh, in Egypt. And then he comes to them again, even though they are not doing very well in the desert. Uh, he comes to them again to help them on their way to the promised land. So we see that it's holy in God's character to come to us. Um, and so, by no small measure, when we do see Jesus come to us, we say, why? Why are you coming here? You had it, you had it, you had it great in heaven. Um, you didn't come here for a cruise ship experience. Um, why did he do that? Well, it's because he, he comes down, I said this earlier, he comes down to claim what is his. Jesus comes down to claim what is his, to redeem and to save and to say, these people, these sinners, they are mine. And because they are mine, I'm going to save them from their, from their sins. I'm going to set them free from bondage and captivity and slavery um, so they can be with me forever. So they can be with my father for forever. Um, we find that Jesus is our shepherd. Uh, I like this First uh, John 10, verses 27 through 29 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So I want us to focus here uh, on the possessive nature of Christ's words here, um, because belonging is all over that. Belonging is all, is all over this verse, um, John 10, 27-29. Uh, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. So when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, who are the sheep? Who are the sheep? Well, it's us. Yeah, it's us. We are the sheep. Um, and now, uh, if we are his sheep, that means that we belong to him. I mean, that, we, that means that we are fully his. Um, Jesus says, my father has given them to me. Uh, now, again, if we're God's, you know, if we're God the Father's and God the Father's giving us to his son, that means we are fully his too. We are fully the son's too. If I belong to you, Jesus, then if I belong to your father, then I belong to God fully. I belong to God. 
Now, I do, I do want to uh, touch on a point here briefly because I think this will help your kids when they question, am I, am I God's beloved? Am I a follower of Jesus? Am I, uh, does Jesus really love me? I think this is a good point here. Um, in, in evangelical Christianity, there can be a really big emphasis on asking Jesus into your heart. So I'm the one that, that asks Jesus into my heart. Uh, and, in, and in doing so, you will be saved, and in doing so, you will be brought into a relationship with him. And I, I don't want to dispute, really, any of that, but I do want to dispute and say that sometimes that language can be confusing. If I'm doing the one that's asking Jesus into my heart, that language can be a little bit confusing because when we do that, I think to some degree we're putting ourselves in the judgment seat on, okay, I'm the one that's doing the asking, and if I do the asking right, then Jesus comes. Now, that can, that, I think that can play with a whole lot of different questions as your kids get older. Because I said, okay, when I was seven years old at vacation Bible school, I asked Jesus into my heart. Now, my seven-year-old self was really stupid. He was really dumb. So did I, did I pray that prayer right? Did I really mean it? Was my emotion, were my emotions perfectly there? Or if, if I was on this emotional high when I did ask Jesus into my heart, which a lot of us are, y'all, uh, now I'm not so emotional about this whole experience. This whole being a Christian experience has gotten kind of hard. So, like, was I really genuine when I asked that question? And what I want us to see here, using the sheep analogy, when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me, the question that I want to ask myself is, when did Jesus' sheep become his? Like, who makes his, who makes his sheep his? When did, when did he do that? Well, it's Jesus. Jesus is fully in the judgment seat here. And if Jesus says, you are mine, that means you are mine. Period. Full stop. Um, so while, while I don't want to dispute you wanting to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, I do, I do want to say there is no praying this prayer right. Uh, and I would even say that some people, I, I was talking to a mom a couple weeks ago who had this question she said, well, if I like, went to my little daughter and I said to her, you need to ask Jesus into your heart, she's going to say, aren't you telling me he's already there? And so what I think we just need to reinforce is that we are Jesus' sheep. We are fully his, and it's him that does that. It's not us. And so if anything, we are accepting that fact as Christians. When we say, I want you to, to be my Lord, Jesus, we're accepting the fact that he is our Lord. We're not, we're not really asking it so much as we are accepting this fact. Does that make sense to everybody? It can be kind of a chicken and the egg argument there, but I, I did want to make that distinction because I do think it can be confusing, especially, y'all, I mean, especially when your kids go to college and they start making bad decisions and they're like, oh, man, did I really follow this Jesus right? Did I really, am I behaving well enough? Did I pray that prayer well enough? This is when they can remember because their parents taught them, I belong to God. I belong to you, Jesus, because you are, my, you are my shepherd, and I'm your sheep, and I'm hearing your voice, and I'm following you. Even if I'm not doing it perfectly, I'm still doing it, because you're mine, and I'm yours. Um, okay, so that's, that's God the Son. Uh, lastly, uh, I do want to say this real quick. Um, I love this, and it helps us see just Jesus as being an authoritative figure. We have a couple more minutes. Um, Jesus being an authoritative figure to claim our lives. Why, why does Jesus have the authority to do this? We see this in Matthew 11, verses 27 through 28. We read this verse every Sunday uh, in the comfortable words, or at least part of it. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, 
and no one knows the Father except the Son. And no one knows, excuse me, yeah. No one knows the Father except the Son. Uh, excuse me, no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. Come to me, all who, all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus says that all things have been handed over to me by my Father. Now when Jesus says all things, he doesn't mean everything except for Elizabeth Fagan's life. He doesn't mean everything except for you know, this one small little corner of my life. When Jesus says all things, all authority has been handed over to me, he means all things. Every single thing has been handed over to me. Um, I really like this. Who's heard of Abraham Kuyper? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you probably shouldn't hear from Abraham Kuyper. Um, Abraham Kuyper was a, this is why, he was a, a 19th and 20th century Dutch theologian uh, who was also, for a few years, who was also a few, for a few years, the prime minister of the Netherlands. So that's your thing. Um, but Abraham Kuyper was famous for saying a lot of things, but famous for saying um, this. He says, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. There's not a single square inch in the whole of human existence in which Jesus Christ does not look at and say, that is mine. Now, the point that I want to make here is that that means your kids. That means your kids. That means that they are wholly his. Every single part of them, all the parts that they do like, all the parts that they don't like, all the parts that you love of your kids, and all the parts that you don't like of your kids. That means they are fully his. Um, I really like this to close, and then we'll have a couple questions. Um, in terms of, of this, in terms of belonging to Jesus and belonging to God, um, the first question of the Heidelberg Catechism is this. What is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer is that I am not my own, but belong body and soul and life and in death to my, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all of my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all, thing must, all things must work together for my salvation. Now, this is the Lord we serve. This is the Lord we serve and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are fully His. Your kids are fully His. Uh, and this is, I'm, I'm telling you, your kids are going to come to these moments, these, these kind of flashpoints or these crisis moments in their lives where they're going to have this question, okay, I had too much to drink at the fraternity house last night. I woke up in a place that I'm not familiar with. Do I really believe in this Jesus stuff? Do I really believe in this God stuff? And they're going to hear your, they're going to hear your voice here because we always remember our moms and our dads' voices. And I think this is so important for you guys to teach your kids this. They're going to remember, my parents taught me, my mom and my dad taught me, I belong to God. No matter what, no matter the decisions I'm making, no matter how well I'm living, no matter how close I feel to him or how far I am from him or if I haven't been to church in a year, I belong to God. They're going to remember that. I think it's really important for you guys to, to share that. Um, we have, I, I didn't get to God the Holy Spirit, y'all. Um, I gave you a couple of verses here about the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. If the Holy Spirit chooses to dwell in us, um, that means we're God's as well. Um, so there's that. Uh, I do want to, we have a couple of minutes. We have like a minute for questions. Yeah. I think if you are going to Sunday school here and you hear this a lot, you hear people here at home, but belonging I think they get, but how do you teach them that that's enough? 
you know, that's the hard part is that, like, it's enough just to belong to God and not plus the other. And that's our sinful nature, but it's hard to be like, it doesn't matter about all the other things you mentioned that you might get excluded from. Sure, yeah. So I think th- th- that's, that's hard. Obviously, that's, that's hard. Um, belonging, I would say, uh, if we belong to God, then God loves me. And, and this is something that I've, I've thought before, or I've been taught before. If we get this love aspect right, that if God loves me, and if I belong to him and he loves me, um, and I need to sit there for a minute and not just like, okay, that's a fact, I know it's a fact, but we need to somehow get that from, from our head to our heart, um, which is really hard when you're a teenager, uh, when, when you're being excluded or whenever something might be happening. So uh, that's a good question. Like, how is that enough? I would think that would say that for you as parents, reinforcing, like, this is enough. If nothing else is going well in your life, this fact is enough. Like, you belong to God, and God loves you. And, and then as a parent, and I love you. Like no, matter, like, no matter what you do, even if I'm taking your phone away, I love you. Um, so I, th- I think just reinforcing that, God loves you, I love you. Uh, in, in saying, stay, like staying in that truth, um, that doesn't make it not hard to get excluded from stuff. So we can say that as well. Like you can, you can belong to God, and yeah, life's still hard. Um, yeah, like not getting invited to something's still hard. Um, is that helpful? Okay. Well, I'll say yeah. Psalm one thirty nine. Um, I love it so much. And listening on here, know her daughter has was born with congenital heart defects, mm-hmm. really severe. And um, her wonderful godmother, who's sitting right here. Um, has this verse framed, and it's um, on the wall in her bedroom um, right before when her first her first surgery. And I just go back to it a lot with her as she's getting a little bit older. She's much more aware of like how different like she is in some mm-hmm. ways, like right. restrictions of things she can do, sure. scarring the body, and this that and the other. And just going back to that word knitting, mm-hmm. when you were saying it's slow, and it's purposeful. Um, I just, you know, I think all of our children will have something that they face insecurity wise. And I think just going back to that verse is such a strong one. Mm-hmm. It's such a like beautifully written verse. But um, I just think we could all like really spend some time in that, in that word. Um, yeah. All of our children. So. Definitely. Thanks for sharing that, Mary Bradley. And th- that reminds me as well, in Psalm 139, he says, He has formed for me all the days of my life. So not only is he our creator, but he's the author. So he knows when your daughter's going to have hard times. He knows that exact moment that your daughter's going to have this hard time about not being able to play sports or whatever it might be with your daughter. And same with, 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 your, with your question, um, Kelly. If in terms of, like, God knows, yeah, this is gonna be, eighth grade's going to be a hard year. Like, he knew that before the foundation of the world, that this eighth grade was going to be a hard year for, for him. Uh, and so to live in that knowledge, like, God knows that, and this is purposeful. Like, there's, there's purpose in this. Um, I think that can be helpful as well. Um, all right, I'll be here for a few minutes uh, after the fact. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Lord, thanks so much for um, creating us, Lord, and making us and knitting us together in, your mother's wo- in our mother's womb. Thank you for coming to us and redeeming us and, and calling us your own. Thank you that if nothing else is true, Lord, that we belong to you and help us uh, live in that truth. Um, help us know that you love us and that we love you and um, help us uh, raise our kids uh, in this truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.